Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Central Texas Life. You know, this is a topic we've not really dealt with on this podcast, and that's youth ministry. And uh, we're talking with an expert today, Bob Johns, who is a minister who's dedicated his whole career to working with young minds and young lives and shepherding these young people. And you are something of a rarity, which is after reading your book, they say I'm crazy. It kind of kind of hurts my heart that there are so few that choose to dedicate their their lives to these kids. Well, that's what happens in ministry. Uh, youth ministry is tended to often be kind of a stepping stone to something else in ministry. You do it when you're younger, right? And then you move into other, you know, other more important, better paying positions. I guess you could say. Uh, but you know. Uh, uh, some people feel called to it for a lot. I mean, that's the way it was for me. Or in seminary days, I I felt called to do youth ministry, and I just never felt called to anything else. So I kind of kept just kind of plugging along, and all of a sudden I realized I was kind of going where no man has ever gone before. <laughs> <laughs> so how many years? At, you'll be retiring in the summer, summer huh? of 22. Um, so how many? More, almost four decades, right? Yeah, well, actually, I started in 76, so whatever that is, that's 46 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 46 Push, years. Pushing five 46 years. decades. So what would you say in seminary you kind of felt this? What was it about just the, the need you saw for truth to be sown into the lives of kids? Well, there was this idea being bounced around that maybe youth ministry was a calling and not just a a temporary place of ministry, a, a job on yeah, the right. list and so there I, at uh, the church. I said, well, heck, I mean, that's what I like doing. And so I was in my early twenties and it was great. And so I just start, kept doing it and, and I just never felt anything. There was nothing else that was appealing to me. And so, you know, when I hit my thirties, people started asking me, well, what are you going to do now that you've grown up? You know? And <laughs> I said, well, I'm going to keep doing this. And then I hit the forties and, uh, and it just became kind of like accepted, you know, because uh, I just kept moving through it. You know, I remember when I turned 60, I thought, this is ridiculous. Uh, I'm still supposed to be doing this. And I really had kind of, I said, God, I really, uh, I really still enjoy this, but I still need to be also be effective at it. 
I said, I need those two things. I need to enjoy it, but also need to be effective at it. I don't want to just continue to do youth ministry and because of generational differences that I'm not able to be effective at it. And, you know, and God just continued to bless the ministry. It just kept growing and flourishing. And uh, and so that was cool, you know. Yeah, we need to explain. First Woodway. Mm-hmm. First Woodway. W- Waco, or Woodway, where you have um, spent the bulk of it. You weren't always at First Woodway. No, I was at two other churches before that. I was at a seminary church for three years, and then I was at a church in Burleson, South Fort Worth, First Baptist Burleson, for about six years before I came here. Yeah. So that was my that's my ministry experience. Those three churches. So, so finishing getting ready to finish up thirty eight years here at First Woodway. Okay, is, that's that's where I got the yeah, near nearly yeah. four decades. I had yeah. I had heard that. Um, well, you wrote this book. They say I'm crazy. What what prompted you to write a book? Now you say it's not a memoir. No, it's not. And and the the point of the book was I said okay. I had some friends uh, who want, who said write a book. We'll get you in with our. Uh, our publisher to help maybe get it published. And so I said, you know, I want to write a book, but I felt like that just about all the books on youth ministry had been written. But I said, but who's written a book about doing youth ministry for the long haul? You know, all the way, I mean, for your whole life, you use all your adult years working with kids and no one's really written that book. And not, not many people have ever lived that life. And I thought I'm the perfect person to write that book. And so it's not a book on how to do youth ministry. It's a book on how do you go the distance. Mm-hmm. What are some things you can do in ministry to continue to be fresh and relevant and effective, and uh, to avoid you know burnout and just uh, those kinds of things. And so that's the whole point of the book was to say here these are some uh, tricks of the trade that I've learned throughout the years that have helped me stay relevant. You know, because I mean I'm crossing several generations now with kids. At this point, yeah. Uh, you know. You know, when I actually, when I actually announced my resi- re- retirement to the kids back in January, they all immediately went, "No, no." <laughs> How can you do this? And I said, "Shh, ain't gonna be quiet." <laughs> uh, you know, I'm 70 years old. That's really old for a youth pastor, you know. And they have no frame of reference because they've known never known anything different. Right. The youth minister at Woodways has been old. Has for, always for, been you. They've been old for for a pretty long time, and yeah. And so I was trying to get them to understand that that uh, most everybody else out in the world, their youth ministers are younger, and cooler, and a lot prettier than I am, you know. So uh, so helping them warm the idea that it's time for a change. So. Well, you have had the advantage though of being in a college town, Definitely. and a lot of great um, interns, I'm sure, have mm, come your way yes. that that are closer to the age of of the youth. Yeah, that's 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 been very helpful. I've I've had. Just about all the the my colleagues, guys that were like my age who felt the same way into mm-hmm. calling, uh, they've all been either sacked or pushed into other areas of ministry. Uh, they just I just felt real privileged. I was able to continue to yeah, really, travel on. It is such a unique yeah, this, this um, happen, career path that you've had. Happen. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons I was able to sustain it is because of Baylor and Truett. And having access to all these kids, I have like 30 Baylor students who work for me as volunteers leading my small groups, you know, and I have a staff of young guys and girls in their 20s who, it's kind of like, I've always kind of like imagined it like a ship and I'm like the, I'm the grizzled little captain behind the wheel steering <laughs> and they're on the deck, all my first mates are scurrying about doing all the work and yeah. 
So they kind of help keep us relevant and focused well, and kind of keep us moving in the right direction. It and works it's, out well. it's not just the, the youth, the middle school and high schoolers, but you're also mentoring mm-hmm. these these young ministers who will go on and, right, you yeah. know, yeah, the, uh, the effect you've had on so many lives just can't even be yeah. quantified, I don't think. Well, it's kind of been kind of cool. Like, you know, over the last few years, a lot of the guys and girls on our staff at First Woodway are people who came out of our ministry who worked for me as interns, yeah. and that is kind of training ground for preparation for ministry. So so that's been very helpful because, you know, like I'll say, okay, I have this idea. What do you think? Is this dorky? Is this, like, too old? And and they know that they have permission to be honest with me. Mm-hmm. We try, we try to create an environment in our staff where we can really be uh, open and honest about what we think. Uh, in fact, we have the what we call the yes and principle. You can't put anybody's idea but down, but you can yes and and change the subject or something <laughs> that's more relevant. So, so that helps us keep uh, keep that in place. So, so it really works out well. It has worked out well for sure. Yeah, it's been a blessing. Well, now you mentioned earlier um, about you know questioning through the years of your ministry, you know, am I still being effective? And and can you give me an idea of when, you know, that question really crept up, you know, and, and you felt like, you know. Well, you know, you, you, you don't want to just use numbers as a qualifying aspect of it, right. but, but the numbers obviously speak, you know, true, you know, as I was going through my 60s, I call, I call it going through the 60s for the second time. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, uh, the number of kids that we were reaching uh, just continued to grow. You know, uh, we were taking more and more kids to camp than we ever did before. Really? And so you're like going, okay, well, still working. You know, if I ever felt like that the, it was starting to slide, that's when I would have, that would have not worked for me. I wouldn't have liked that if I felt like the ministry was suffering because of the fact that it's, it was time for new leadership. And even now, it's been amazing because, uh, COVID just really just knocked the wind out of our sails. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just almost in some ways, almost like almost kind of rebuild, rebuilding the ministry. Not to the point that it really wasn't, we still had a good core, but it was just like so many things slipped. And uh, we just really put our nose to the ground, you know, to the wheel and just got after it and, and, uh, and just worked hard to kind of build it back up. So, yeah, how I, did you stay connected with the the youth during those days of when we were kind of locked down well, for we quite kinda, a number I, of weeks? My staff and I said, you know, we're not going to just hunker down. I felt like so many people were just like, we're just going to just, you know, hunker down and just right. weather the storm. And we, I said, we're going to keep this ministry going. And so, like, we we used a lot of we we started putting together a, a weekly. Uh, Called WNL Online, where we were putting it, you know, talks with, with music and testimonies and stuff like that, and it was like producing a television television program yeah. every week. But we just stayed after that, you know. And then as soon as we were able to start meeting, we started meeting the best way we could, and and worked hard. And it uh, we we had to cancel so many things, which was so frustrating. Uh, over the past two summers, we had to cancel five mission trips. And we had to cancel camp one one summer. Those are just they were so devastating to the momentum that we tried to maintain. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we were able to do that. And I feel like that was probably I said I think this is gonna be my last thing I'm gonna do before I hang it up is I'm gonna help put this ministry back on course before I turn over the keys to the next 
person you know to right. lead it so so we were able to accomplish that so that's been cool that's it's kind of been a cool way to to finish up as I ride off into the sunset you know <laughs> to say here here it is the ministry's back running full full steam and uh, so so but it was a lot of work and we, yeah. in fact we we our staff and I laughed about how how much harder it was working during the COVID because if you're going to continue to do ministry and be effective at it, uh, it just was, there was a lot more work involved in it. Well, and, and I think churches are, you know, all facing for all ages that attend, you know, it was just, it became a lot easier to stay at home and watch it on TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the fact that folks are coming back is, is uh, important. Yeah. Um, but especially so for kids, because one thing you said in uh, in the book is that kids come attached to kids, and and that is kind of a key lesson that you explain that if you would. Well, uh, you know, it's, I'm encouraging uh, young ministers who work with kids uh, to understand that that is a that is a principle that's always been true because you you might think you're the coolest youth minister in town and got the best program, but but generally, kids come attached with kids. They come, they go where, where their friends go, and and so that just happens. And so you try to take the ego out of the out of the out of the equation, and uh, and just just look at the bigger picture about us. You know, we're building. We're trying to build the kingdom of Christ, not little kingdoms. You right. Know? And so, uh, if I have a kid, and that's a pretty mature way to look at it right, and yeah. yeah and sometimes it's hard when you're you're still trying to build your ministry and you're focused on numbers and and uh and for you to to see the bigger picture which is hey, for me to call a youth minister in another church and and say hey listen this kid is not connected here but I know he's attached with some of your kids your kids yeah and get him involved you know I'm all for him getting involved and being discipled more than him just coming to our church you know right and so so that's you know that's an encouragement to to younger guys and and I've uh, I've really you know like I mean many many times a new youth minister in town at some church will call me and say well, my pastor says I need to have lunch with you <laughs> and so we'll you say, seem to know how to do it <laughs> so we'll have like a two hour lunch and I'll just pour into him or her and and it's all I really enjoy doing that and you can just tell her I go oh wow that's true I haven't thought about that and that's one of the principles I said listen man. Take your ego out of, the, out of the equation and really think about what's best for kids, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so that, that's, that's what that, that means. Yeah, um, kind of a, along that line in a way, um, you, you do quote um, Stephen, is it Covey or Covey? So, Covey, I think. It's Covey. Anyway, his uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes. And uh, one thing you quote is a begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's sort of that. That same, you know, we may be losing uh, this young person, but as long as they're plugged in over at Highland or whatever, you know, that's right, that's yeah. a good that's a good thing, or where you know wherever they can get that ministry. Right. Yeah. I had a I had a, a a situation where a guy at a sister church was using some of our video equipment, and he was editing his disciple uh, now video, and he, and he asked me a question, so I was helping him with it, and, he, and one of our girls popped up on the video. And he, when he saw it, he went, oh, no. Uh-oh. I'm and I said, is that Kelly? He said, yeah. I said, she goes to your church. Yeah, she's really involved. I said, that's fantastic. Yeah. Because we've never been able to get her connected here. Yeah. And he said, as a young minister, he said, that just had such an impression upon him. Yeah. 
because he was expecting me to be upset about it, and that was just the opposite. You know, it was just no. I want her to be involved and in, and have community and be discipled and and uh and be with kids who share her values. And I mean, that's great. So yeah. Well, over the years, I know you have seen a lot of change in the things that young people are dealing with. And when we come back from break, we're going to talk about that because um, it's it's really making life difficult for the young people and for those who, who want to minister to them. So we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back with Bob Johns, who has written a book, They Say I'm Crazy. He's spent almost 50 years in youth ministry. His calling has been to speak truth into the lives of young people. Um, and and it seems like a, a simple thing, but it, you really are going kind of going against the, the flow in choosing that career path. Yeah, that's uh, that's just a uh, it's definitely unique in that regard for sure. So, but over the years, um, so many pressures that kids have to face. I remember when I was, you know, in a in a youth group, it was like, oh, you know, who was smoking pot or you know that kind of thing, and then it's just accelerated to, to and now with now social like media who, now it's and a, now it's about who's smoking pot. And, well, you know, <laughs> I away. guess I guess that's. But if they're in Colorado, I guess they can do it, do it legally. Anyway, but the um, the things that kids are having to to deal with because of social media, um, just talk a little bit to that. I know First Woodway recently had an expert in that come to talk to parents and grandparents about that very thing. Well, you know, I have a, a chapter in a book called "The More Things Change, More They Remain the Same." And, uh, and, and the whole point of it is I, as I work through the whole history of my involvement with the youth, how there's been so much change, but it still remains the same. It's the same issues as far as identity and dysfunctional families and, and uh, pressures, mental health issues. Uh, but the one thing that almost in some ways discounts that phrase is has been social media yeah. because it has had such an impact, the changes. The impact it's had upon our culture in general, not just kids, but everybody, has been immense and and at lightning speed. And we I don't mean, even know what to do about it. We right. Don't, we don't. It's a, it's like a conundrum. We don't know. Okay, it's there. What do we do with it? So we use it, but then at the same time we understand it's just having so much, you know, so much devastating effects on kids' lives. You know. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, the, the thing about it is that used to be when you grew up, you weren't really sure how you measured up socially. You kind of may have some ideas, but now you can see it visually. You can see, oh, those are all my friends are out on Friday night, and I'm not what I'm not with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, or so and so had a party, and that's all over. Yeah. You know their their Facebook page and or whatever they use. They Facebook may be totally passe yeah. for kids yeah, now. Face, I don't know. Yeah, they don't do Facebook. They don't do Facebook. <laughs> as soon as mom got involved. Yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, the, those those kind of things, they're just not equipped emotionally, I guess, to deal with it as maybe an adult would go like, oh, you know, well, I had other things to do that night or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, and kind of like, you, well, I'm glad they had a good time at that party, you know, whatever. But um, no, for a child, that's not necessarily how they internalize that. Yeah. Well, you know, they're looking, they're scrolling through Instagram or Snapchat or what chat or whatever, and they're they're seeing these people who have these what you call uh, Instagram perfect lives, you know, where they take the picture over and over again, they get it just perfect, you know, and this is my perfect life, and and this is my uh, these are all my friends, and this is great. So they're kind of curating their life through social media mm. when it's not always the truth. You know, they have the same struggles; they're still lonely, and. Uh, and that's a big deal is is how do you know how do kids deal with loneliness because they can't handle it so they want to fill every waking hour with stimulus you know uh, that's why they scroll endlessly through through you know their phones through social media or or you watch YouTube videos or whatever uh, and that is a, a real lesson I'm, we're trying to teach our kids I say listen don't don't try to fight against loneliness embrace it and allow it to teach you about solitude so it becomes a spiritual discipline rather mm-hmm. than something that's that you're afraid of that you, you know? dread but how to do that is difficult you know and you have to be taught yeah we we were actually even talking that about that very thing this spring in our small groups with our kids about the idea of turning loneliness into solitude and uh figuring out how to do that because if loneliness is something that you're just an all-out uh, effort to try to avoid at all costs, then you're trapped because you can't get away from the media. You can't get away from the phone because it's just the only thing that helps you deal with the loneliness. You know, mm. so uh, this is it's a it's a it's a conundrum, and it's not just a kid problem. You know, uh, it's like everybody. The last thing they do before they go to sleep is look at their phone. Yeah. First thing they do when they get up in the morning is look at their phone. Yeah. It's kind of like oh, that's it. You know. So, uh, so it is an interesting. It's an interesting thing, and and you know we're trying to help our parents. Okay, how do you? What do you do with this? Because it's inevitable that you're going to give your kid a phone. It's inevitable they're going to be doing social media sure. to some degree. But maybe you should try to wait till they're mature enough. You know, is there a magic age? Do you you well, recommend one? Well, I think that uh, different people have different opinions about it. Um, it's almost like in if in junior high life, they almost have to have a phone now because that's how we communicate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> texting and whatnot. You yeah. Know, when's volleyball practice over with? Exactly. Like yeah. Uh, so some people would suggest, you know, no smartphones until, till uh, high school. You know, use a flip phone junior high. You know, mm-hmm. and then smartphones in high school. And definitely, no. Most people are th- saying so, so, so. No social media until high school. And even yeah. then, it's difficult. But don't let junior high kids, devil, you know, junior high is such a difficult time. Oh, you know? I know. It's such a difficult time. It's when you start discovering who's popular and who's not, and you start feeling having identity issues. And and social media is not going to help that mm-hmm. at all. It's going to only no. Well, I love the fact that through your career, you you wanted 
the kids in your ministry to know that you cared and you would make the effort to go go to lunch. I mean, can you still do that? You said well, back when you could do yeah, that. Yeah, we can't do it anymore. You can't do that anymore, which is a which is really a a shame yeah. because that spoke volumes to them and going to their sport sporting events or the school play or whatever you had a little trick tell them <laughs> what your trick was well sometimes i'll go to a choir concert or a play and just get there at the very end <laughs> and then hang around the foyer and tell everybody how great it was you know yeah, you Being very credit. careful that I don't lie. Just using right, the right, right. wording. You know, so. It was it was great. What or I'll mean? go to a, I will go to a, a football game, and I'll get there after the game started, and I'll walk all the way down in front of the bleachers, <laughs> real slow, like I'm like I'm looking up for somebody, and I mm-hmm. walk all the way back, and then I send out this leave. Yeah, and everybody. Hey, but so you were there. The, so yeah, you the game. So you the game. Yeah. Well, I mean, but but that does you know over the over the course of, you know, what, what they're doing, say that you care about their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just a job right, for right. you. Well, that's, that's what with our staff and with our volunteers, we, you know, if all they ever do, like our small group leaders, if is it all you ever do is just meet with the kids on Sunday nights, but you never get involved with them outside of that, your, your impact going to be not nearly as good. Right. You know, uh, you know, watching them play a soccer match or meeting a couple of them at Common Grounds for uh, coffee or whatever. Um, that's just that we call it contact work or whatever, just touching their lives outside the church. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and then slowly the process becomes, you're not just a small group facilitator, you're actually becoming more and more of a mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, like, uh, you know, like these, like I've got girls who have leaders in a small group, and they're looking at some of these better girls, and they're like going, "I want to be like that when I'm in college." Right. Because because uh, they're cool and they represent Christ so well, and so that's when that mentoring process starts 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 right. taking place. In fact, all of our small groups are based on long term relationships. We actually like who can take a better freshman and put her with a group of freshman girls in high school. And there's a good chance they'll be together for four years. For four years and really develop. And then, and then that's a lifelong that, relationship. That oh yes, 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 yes. I mean, I have. We've got adult relationships that go back to small groups from high school. Yeah. That have carried on into their thirties and forties, yeah. which is kind of cool to have a youth ministry that keeps giving way beyond high school. Which, oh yeah. Yeah. So well, and you know, I've I've seen missionaries leave from our fellowship that met in youth group, mm-hmm. you know, and and kind of grew up under your ministry and then, and then go on. And of course that's just got to be so gratifying, but what about that individual who comes out of your ministry and then goes to college and seemingly loses their faith? Well, you know, there's a, there's a stat that's been around forever. It's like 65, 70% of uh, the kids who come of our churches go off to college and will leave the church at least for a period of time, if not for good. Which is a staggering thought, you know. Yeah. And we're always like, going, we've got to beat that. We've got to beat that. We can't be status quo. So we work hard, I mean, as far as making sure we're going to try to, these are the things we're going to try to uh, teach these kids while we have them. As we're, as, as, as we're just trying to be, uh, as we're trying to just complement good Christian parenting. We're not trying to replace that. We're just trying to do some things to help that. Uh, because we want to do that because it does happen invariably in uh, 
and it's I mean that's getting worse. It's not getting better. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening with the uh, with the uh, millennials before that and now Gen Z is is uh they're leaving the church in droves, you know, and so so we're like going okay. Well, we're hoping that some of these things will stick, you know. Like I was talking with two of my senior girls the other night, who are getting ready to graduate and go off to college, and they had their Henry Nowen book that we were teaching this semester on reaching out, and they both had it. And I said, "You reading it?" I said, "Yeah, I just read chapter nine. And then we started talking about s- some stuff in the book, and they said, "Yeah, I like that part about it. I like that part." And I was just like going, "Okay, I hope that sticks." Yeah. You know, I I, I tell all of our leaders, I said they're not going to remember much of what we teach them, but hopefully they'll remember some things and also yeah. remember how you lived, you know. Exactly. And, and that's, those are the things that you hope will, those things will be sticky, right. stick to their faith as they because go Because they up. do have this newfound freedom when they go to college yeah. and, and test their wings and all that sort of thing. But if, if those underpinnings are there, if that mm-hmm. foundation is there, hopefully. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll have a kid who will call me from college and go, I'm not sure if I believe us anymore. Help, which I'm glad they did. Right, you know, you're the right one to call. And then I immediately shoot yeah. them. A, I have a book I give to those kids, and and I'll yeah. say, read this book. This will help you. And uh, and you know, over yeah. and over again, oh, that was great, thank you. Or sometimes they go, they just kind of keep sliding, you know, uh, because of the influences that are in their life right then. Because uh, you know, you can go to a public high school and do great spiritually if you have peer support. You have other friends who are there who share your values and convictions. You go up to college, and all of a sudden, that kind of you don't necessarily have that. You don't have mom and dad encouraging you. You don't have your youth minister there every yeah, week. Yeah, the structure of your That's all life gone. in high school is gone. And yeah. you're on your own, you know. And if yeah. you make some poor peer choices, then yeah. it'll all go down the tubes in a hurry, you know. So. Mm. Yeah. So trying to figure out a way to beat that stat has been something that really has driven me throughout the years. You know, like like we even uh, with our seniors. We have a senior Sunday school class where we spend the whole year teaching them systematic theology and mm. apologetics, and so uh, they really understand what yeah, they so believe. Yeah, so when they go yeah. off to college, they have some good foundational things. And when they take their first religion class, and the professor, they're not even sure the professor even believes the Bible. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, <laughs> they'll text me from class said. Everybody in my class is freaking out, and I'm going, oh, we talked about this in Sunday school. You know, it's kind of cool they felt prepared for it, you know. Yeah. So, Oh, so it's important to, work. Yeah, definitely. Just help them figure out a way for their faith to, to remain intact in a world that's trying its best to chip away at it. Mm. Well, our time is about up, but I like to end these visits with a, it's a little questionnaire okay. that— um, the late, great James Lipton would use on Inside the Actor's Studio. Okay. <laughs> and so this is my take on it. What is your favorite word? Favorite word? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a loaded question. Uh, how about chimerical? <laughs> great. What does that mean? <laughs> With something that happens that you can't believe it could happen. It's just over the top. It's just like yeah. only only because of something miraculous could it ever happen. You know? That's a great word. Yeah. That's right. Well, what is your least favorite word? Uh, actually, can I take it back on my favorite word? Uh-huh. Okay. Can I change it? Sure. Excellence. Yeah. I'm glad you said it because you mentioned excellence, that yeah. uh, in, in your book about excellence and being something that is 
that is continually done. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that in ministry, that's one of our core values. Is we want it to be excellent. We don't want it just to be you know half halfway done. We want it to really be as good as we can do. And that's why I tell my staff like like whenever uh, we get back from camp and we're just worn out, yeah, just, exhausted, <laughs> just just poured out. And here comes the next the next Wednesday we have our our youth meeting. I said, okay, well, is it going to be excellent, or are we going to make it just kind of like sloppy leftovers? Just make yeah. it excellent. Mm-hmm. So you, then you have to dig in, and you know, even though you're you're pretty drained, you're pretty tired. Just, you know, <laughs> so excellence is definitely yeah is yeah. a favorite word. That's good. And then the, the least uh, favorite word favorite word is be the opposite of excellence. You know, <laughs> okay, just medi- mediocrity. Yeah, medi- <laughs> yeah, medi- there you go, mediocrity. That's a good word. Just uh, just not not being committed to that process of yeah. you know you, you you know we we get to speak to kids every Wednesday night and whoever speaks that's uh, expected that they're going to spend several hours preparing they're going to have an outline sure and they're, we're going to take advantage of that 20 25 minutes we're going to make it count we're not going to fill it, we're not going to fill it up with this fluff you know yeah or or just fly by see your pants kind of stuff so yeah what turns you on then, creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Well, I, I love the creative process, for sure. Uh, that is something I'm very committed to. Uh, we, uh, we work hard to, to have creative elements in our ministry that make it special. Uh, that's the thing that goes first when you're doing week in, week out, you know, mm-hmm. because you kind of, it's easier to just kind of just take, you know, easy path and not really work hard to you know to uh do something that really helps create the environment that helps the kids know it's something special so we 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 brainstorm in uh in our in our staff and we bounce ideas around and we give ourselves time for it you can't just say okay we're going to be creative for the next 15 minutes (laughs) yeah it doesn't really work that way you gotta go okay we're gonna just we're gonna brainstorm we're gonna bounce there's no bad idea uh, let's just keep talking to say it out loud. And all of a sudden it all kind of synergy takes place. And pretty soon you come up with the idea, you know, yeah. this is the yeah. idea that we're looking for. This is the, the thing that's going to be exciting about this. And so, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, I love the creative process in that regard. And, uh, and I'm really committed to it for sure. And yeah. I think that's one of the things that's helped keep our ministry, you know, uh, on the edge of just being effective because it really is excellent. And it is, it is committed to the creative process. So that's really encouraging. I like that. I like that. Well, then conversely, what turns you off creatively, emotionally, or spiritually? Even? Uh, I would say um, the, the, for me, it's logistical. I'm, I'm, that's why I have a great administrative assistant <laughs> who loves that and is good at that. I just give her a big old stack of papers and say, there, organize that. Because I'm not really into that, you know. Yeah. But it has to be organized. It has to be done. You know, if you take, you know, a if you take hundreds of kids to to camp, that's just logistically. There's so much involved in that, and so I get to kind of lead the parade to camp. But she she and her staff members are behind there, behind the scenes, getting it all organized and all the spreadsheets and all the all the forms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, all the name tags made, all yeah. the things that have to. And be that's all I always tell people. I said, listen, you don't have to be. You don't have to be that well organized. You just got to be committed to the fact that it's got to be organized. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I used to joke. I said I always get up in the morning and I look in the mirror and say, "Bob, you're not organized. 
What are you going to do today to compensate for it? And so I do. I make lists and I stick with them and I make good. sure I delegate and make sure it all gets done. <clears throat> That's good advice for, yeah. <laughs> for anybody yeah, that uh, struggles it, with that. Yeah, because if you're not, then you're going to get yourself in trouble. Yeah, you know? yeah. What sound do you love the most? What sound? Um, music. Okay. <coughs> yeah, you're... You're pretty music. hip on all kinds of music, of music is, and yeah, and music is. I feel like my whole life has been a soundtrack. Uh, you know, I I got to do a sabbatical a few years ago in Oxford, England, and every morning I would actually plan out my playlist as I walked around the River Thames, you know, and oh, just wow. and listen to different music, you know, Beatles and and uh, David Crowder and yeah. Uh, Steely Dan. I'm I'm all over the. I'm not just. A, I know. But I I kind of suspicion that. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of like I'm into <laughs> good music. You know, not just the. Yeah. So, what is your least favorite sound? Uh. I guess. Uh, negativity. Uh. People who are seeing the glasses half empty. You yeah. Know? I don't know how you could translate it into a sound, but it's just words, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's you kind know, of bringing you down, you know, like, you know, I'm, I have a friend who, who is just always struggled in ministries every, every, everywhere it's when it's not going well for him. And I'm, and I just said, you think there's a common denominator here? <laughs> it's because you're a whiner, you know, you yeah. just, con- you just, you're just way, always way, negative. Way. You're just yeah. like, yeah. you just don't, you just can't see uh, the, the bigger picture, you know, yeah. so. So that kind of stuff is kind of, it's just, it, I don't I don't struggle with it. I, I'm not geared that way at all. But whenever I have people in my life are that way, that's kind of a negative yeah. turn off for sure. Well, we know you're committed to youth ministry, obviously. Uh, but what other profession would you have liked to have tried? I would have liked to have been a sideline reporter for NFL football games. <laughs> I think you mentioned <laughs> When you we got got a little down about you know church work. Well, maybe you know, what would it take to be? <laughs> yeah, like going in the locker room and interviewing Cowboys or Rangers or that Mavericks, you know. Uh, or <laughs> or I mean, obviously the thing I always wanted to be was a rock and roll star, but I just wasn't good enough to be that. So, <laughs> well, okay. So what what profession do you know you would not want to do, no matter what? Uh, children's work. <laughs> I love youth, but at children's work, uh, you know, working with That's kids. That's another calling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, For we, sure. we have a great children's minister at our church. She's fantastic. Oh, yeah. But uh, I would not want her job to say. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's just, but what, then she what, would want my job. So it's what, kind of what like, a difference time makes. Just a little time yeah. <laughs> in the lives of those kids. Well, then finally, I think I know the answer to this, but what do you want to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well, I mean, obviously, well done, you know, good and faithful servant for sure. Uh, that's definitely one thing for sure. Yeah. That, you know, hopefully that's what he'll say. You know, it's it's kind of cool to look back on your life and and just go, wow, what a blessed life. I'm I'm going to miss it so much. Yeah. And, and in fact, I'm curious as what retirement's going to look like for me because I'm kind of a little bit nervous about it uh, because uh, I just, you know, I just have, literally I've cross paths with thousands and thousands of kids yeah and uh and uh and that's that's a blessing for sure you mm-hmm. know yeah well it has yeah 
you say, they say I'm crazy or anything but crazy, Bob Johns, <laughs> going the distance, though, in youth ministry, and that's exactly what you've done, and we appreciate you going the distance here on Central Texas Life. I appreciate you, you appreciate my it. friend. Thank you. Thank you. And great. thank you for being with us. Join us again next time. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.